Hi everyone, welcome back to Business on the Beach and we have a special guest today. We have Kim Barrett joining me. Kim, thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure, man. Thank you so much for having me. It's awesome. I can't wait to dive in. So Kim actually helps people grow their businesses to six, seven and even eight figures using Facebook ads and we're diving into all things Facebook, how it's changed and how marketing has changed on the platform as well. So Kim, just to start off, um, talk to us a little bit about your history in business and Facebook as well. So sort of give us a bit of a background into that story. Yeah, I mean, look, business I feel like I've been in since I was like a little kid. I always had little side hustles and little things I was trying to do to be able to to make money. Um, and just because I always thought it's like, well, you know, there, there's got to be a way. I see all these other people having businesses. Like, There's got to be a way for me to have one as well. Um, but really this iteration came because I was, I've been studying and, and doing online marketing for uh, about 15 years now. And when I first started, decided to start my business, I'd probably be then doing it for about 10 years. And I was working in another company and I was doing a bit of marketing. I was doing a little bit of marketing on the side for a few other companies here and there. And then I was also for the company I was working at and doing their marketing, I was also speaking for them. So when I was speaking for them, they said, look, can we need someone to come and do um, full-time speaking or we need some like, or, or we recommend you like focus on your marketing. So they basically gave me an ultimatum and said, look, you, you kind of choose which way you want to go. And I um, ended up choosing the, the marketing route. So then from there, I decided I was like, okay, I've got to go out and really focus on doing 100% of my thing. And, um, and that's how, how your social voice started. And that's how we started here. And um, Facebook ads on, on their own, that, that side of things was, as I said, I was doing lots of online marketing, affiliate marketing, email marketing, all those things. And I was like, well, the big problem for me is I was like, it's, it's super hard to try and be an expert in all these areas and to know how to do all these areas. And I was like, do I want to do SEO? Do I want to do Google ads? Do I want to do Facebook? I was like, oh, I'm just going to choose Facebook and stick to it and just try and get really good at one thing. Um, and that's all I, all I focused on and did. And then, yeah. And, and that's kind of led us to today where, you know, I've just been just time and time and time again, just, just been recommended for Facebook ads. And that's because I just chose to focus on that one thing and just try and get really good at it. Is that something that your parents uh, encouraged you to do business-wise or was it they had a business and you wanted to be like them? Like what, what sort of sparked all this? Because going from working to a company or working in a company to doing your own thing seems reasonably logical. But what was the, what was the inspiration behind you always having something as a side hustle when you were younger? Uh, look, I, I was just always curious. Like a lot of people said, like, what did you want to be when you grow up? And they were like, oh, like astronaut or, uh, you know, a fireman or whatever. And I was, mine was always like a businessman. I always just had some sort of vision of me with a briefcase kind of thing traveling around the world for some reason. I don't know why. And uh, my dad did have his own small business. But for me, I always just thought like, look, there's, um, you know, there's always more than one way to do something. There's, a, there's always a way to work smarter rather than harder. And, you know, like I always think there's more opportunity than kind of meets the eye. And that's why I always had these things. And, but look, at the same time, I was going to university, I was studying, I was uh, working in companies and I thought that was always going to be the way is like I might have a small business on the side and, and work for someone else um, until it got to the point where I was like, well, look, I uh, like where people were telling me what I could and can't do. And to be honest, it's probably a, um, uh, and I had some good bosses, but I think there would probably be a few bad ones in the mix, which kind of like, 
screwed me up for that. And I was like, because of the way that they kind of acted towards me in certain situations, I was like, well, I don't want to do that. And I don't think people should have to put up with that. So I want to be number one, um, have the freedom for myself, but number two, make sure that if I, if I ever have a team, then I want to make sure I do a phenomenal job, like trying to lead them as best as I can as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that makes perfect sense. When you were sort of getting involved with the marketing side, at what point did you decide to start your own thing? Because from what you said, it seemed to be going quite well. So what sparked the, the whole sort of, I'm going to do this on my own and sort of dive into Facebook? Well, like I, I was always playing with Facebook, but the the push to go and do it by myself was literally just like I got the they like I was the company I was working with. I was doing Facebook ads for them, and like one or two other just like real small clients, tiny, tiny. Um, and they were like, "Well, look, we um we want to either we want you to to either become a professional speaker, or if you choose to go and do your own marketing, that's cool. And look, we will we will um we'll be your first client, you know. So they were, they were quite supportive in that way and said, "Look." You know, but we know for them, like it wasn't best for me to um, to stay on and do like a, like a little bit of both, and that's why I think it's like it's always good, and I think it's always important to have a niche, whether it's in what you do or offer, or it's in the people that you serve. I think you kind of have to like have something there in my eyes, and I think that's the most important thing to have. So for me, I was like, cool. Well, I've got to choose, and I you know I chose chose to go down marketing and just back myself into into Facebook ads. Right. Cool. Yeah, so it's almost like you just had to choose something. You just had to make that decision and sort of dive in. Otherwise, it was never going never gonna to work being one foot in, one foot out, I suppose. So exactly. Facebook then. What mm. have you noticed about how Facebook has grown over the, the past couple of years? Because I've noticed it shift myself just through using it as a person and with the podcast and everything that I do. How have you noticed Facebook shift and change? And do you have any any best practices for how to use Facebook now for people that are trying to grow their business or even just make use of Facebook as a tool, I suppose? Yeah, I mean, like, it's it's totally crazy and it's all always changing. And I think the biggest thing is, like, the mass adoption. As you said, over the last couple of years, the biggest thing that's changed is the mass adoption being, well, like, we were literally, I was just on a call with some of my clients earlier. Um, we do uh, a lot of, like, group coaching for people and teach them how to use ads. And, um, like, we we're pulling apart some of their sales and they were getting sales from, like, 65-year-olds. So I'm, I was going, well, look, if now it's like, it's not a social media, it's not a young person's thing. It's like social media is for everyone. If they're getting sales from 65 year olds on social media, that means that there's mass adoption, which to me means that everyone just has to get better at positioning, articulating, communicating their messages um, on uh, on Facebook because it's, it's not the same as TV, radio, billboards or anything like that. You need to be specific. You need to speak to a specific person. And if you do that, then you know, you're going to win. And, um, and I always think that the best way to do that, and you kind of um, mentioned a little bit to it, is, is video. You know, I have a podcast myself as well when I have, um, we do a video podcast. And at the moment, we're getting video views. So we're getting someone to watch a full 30-minute episode of our podcast on video on Facebook. Costs us, actually, I wanna, uh, uh, I'm just curious because you're on a podcast. I'm curious to see what you reckon. 30-minute video podcast on Facebook. How much do you reckon it will cost me to get one person to watch the whole thing? One person to watch the whole thing. So that 
depending on if you've got sponsors and things, right, that, that would include exposure to the advertisements as well, right? So they wouldn't sort of switch off when the ads come on. So I would hazard a guess. Are we, are we talking, because you, you're based in, in Australia, I think, right? So it'd yeah. be Australian dollars, I imagine. So I imagine what's, what's half of a, an Australian dollar where you are? Yeah, I think something like half, around half a, a dollar per per view of your of your currency. Yeah, and that's and that's pretty much what it was. Thirty cents right. for me to get someone to watch an entire episode on Facebook, and to me, it's like that's gold. Like to get someone to sit and watch a thirty-minute video in these days, um, especially when there's so much other content and things around, and they can get distracted. If I can get them on Facebook and I get them to watch me for. 30 minutes for 30 cents. It's like, I pay that every single day of the week. Yeah. And that's so great. And that's what I mean. It's like the video is just, cr- the opportunity with video is just crazy. Yeah. Is it, is it just a case of you've got to go with the times almost like you see what's popular and you sort of adopt that because everybody else is doing it? Like how, how do you judge how you change your content? Cause I've noticed I'm doing more, video and podcasts myself but a lot of that's personal preference over well everyone's doing it but i do it because that's what i want to do and there are people out there that are absolutely killing it with like written things as well so Mm. is it a case of you've got to learn what the platform's best at or can can anyone make it work even if they're not doing what necessarily works best on the platform yeah, good question. And a little from column A, a little from column B. And it's like, I can still get cheap clicks if I want to, to somewhere. But for me, it's like, cool, what does Facebook want? They want you to stay on there. So for me, Facebook at the moment doesn't really have an audio only platform. So I run audio only on my podcast on iTunes. And then on Facebook, it's like, cool, what do people want? Video, right? Because that's what Facebook prefers. And that you can just tell that by the statistics in the inside of like, when you look at your stats and and see what posts do well, what don't, and it's going to be different for every single person. But the other reason I like video and I like, I'm like a lot of our programs and and methods and stuff that I create are all based around becoming a mogul. Um, And it's because I find, especially for probably, I would say more so for people, um, I would probably say for like 20, 25 and and, and upwards is that Mm -hmm. when you watch people on TV, right? You have always been conditioned that they are celebrities. You've been conditioned that they are probably going to be telling you the truth, you know, arguably, um, but you know, they're, and they're, but they're stars. So for me, I go, well, I want for that, at least the generation that there is um, the, the mid to older generation, the whatever you want to call millennials and above where like, if I can be positioned as someone who is a, uh, a star, a, um, an expert as a, as a person of authority, um, I want to capture that as much as possible as I can now. And I think like now more and more people are like used to like, oh, I send videos to my friend all the time. Video doesn't really make a difference for, I think, especially for the younger, like millennials and under. But I think older than that, we still have that inherence. Like, oh, if you see someone on a TV show or a movie or on a screen, they are that they are like they're someone to to listen to to someone to pay attention to an authority and that's why it's like if i can capitalize on that for now and if that's still a inherent belief in people then um you know i want to leverage that as much as possible um obviously for good and not for evil is it a case of 
you know, we spend so much time on social media as marketers, it can be hard to see the world through the eyes of just a consumer. Is that something that you found that that's quite easy to do? Because it's easy for me to say, oh, well, everyone's always on their phone. When you know I'm always on my phone for business purposes, I probably wouldn't be on my phone all the time. Like, if it wasn't for business purposes, it's probably just my preference, right? But is it a way of seeing the world through a non-marketer or non-social media person's eyes? Is that something that you're reasonably good at? Oh, I, I think uh, I think I have a solid attempt at that, and I, I liken it to cool when I go to dinner, when I go anywhere. Like I, I would say one of my, uh, I suppose skills. I don't know if that's the right word to say, but like I, I definitely pay a lot of attention to stuff, and I will literally see, and I've literally probably in the last two weeks nearly hit two people who have almost walked onto the road because they're looking at their phone. Right. So I'm driving down the street and they've nearly, they have literally nearly walked in front of my car because they were looking at their phone. Oh, that's priceless. And I've got to, and, and the stats from the stats that I've gotten most recently from Facebook um, themselves is that on average, when people are on the phone, like, yes, albeit they're not always on only social media, there's many apps, there's SMS, there's everything like that. But it's approximately like one in three minutes, 33% of the time that they are on their phone is on a social media platform. Right. So that's a, that, to, that to me is a pretty good indicator that that's where I wanted to be. And like, look, is it, uh, is it good? Is it bad? Um, okay, I'm not even going to touch that with a 10 foot pole because some people would be like, oh, it's terrible. Other people would be like, oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, I think, as you said, you've got to do what's good for you, but you've also got to look at your consumers. And for me, my consumers are, I'm business to business, right? I'm teaching businesses how to grow with with Facebook. If I'm on my phone or, uh, a lot for business, I have to assume that they're going to be the same. So mm-hmm. then like, you know, then I, I'm going to do it from there. And like, I, I, you know, I've had the pleasure to hang out with some of the, like the big time uh, marketers and stuff like Gary V, Grant Cardone, and those guys are on their phone like crazy. So it's like, you know, and again, their business, they're, they're targeting similar people to me. So again, they, I've got, I'm just, I just look at the trends and try and follow and, and pick up from what I see other people put down. Yeah, I think that when when you start to, I guess, see what those people live like, it sets the bar almost. Like I noticed that you've been having interviews with Grant Cardone for your show and things of that nature. And like the amount of time that they must be on their phone must be phenomenal i mean and these these people also have a team and staff and yeah they're probably running several businesses but they've probably got hundreds of staff as well i know gary v has got a team just for him so mm. when when, we, when you put it into that perspective and realize that oh they're also always on their phone at the same time it's kind of like well it's almost like the barrier for entry almost when it comes to being seen online is well you are if you are the the business or the brand or the owner or whatever it is that's just something you're going to have to accept that your phones are now like laptops or computers so it's worth i guess it's almost like respecting it isn't it you've got to respect the fact that that is the way the world is now and yeah i mean facebook is a huge part of that isn't it yeah, a hundred percent. And I think it's just that, yeah, like it, it's a shifting market and people have to do it. Look, do you, do you have to though? I don't think you have to. Um, is it recommended? 
Potentially. Look, I've got clients that run businesses like where they might do um, like they do wine tours and things like that. And they're not on their phone all the time, but we're able to help them get quick wins with stuff like that as well. But they do know that it's where they want to shift towards. And I think it's just more of a slight adjustment um, and not being like, oh, you know, like now I have to spend all the, my free time on my phone. As I start off with, you probably won't. You do a good a good job of producing content and having a conversion mechanism, a way to bring leads into your business. Then you then you're going to win, and then it's like you can just scale that over time and do things get busier and busier and bigger and bigger. Yeah, but that's just a new problem to deal with, and that's I think part of then the the problems of scaling a business rather than do you have to do that at the beginning? No, like I don't think if you're just starting out or maybe you've got a business doing like 100k a year or 200k a year, do you have to be on your phone as much as Gary V? Definitely not. So when you've got a $150 million business, okay, cool. And you have to respond to people. Sure. Spend all the time you need to on your phone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is probably an element of scale in there. Like if you only want to make, you know, some people are happy earning less than six figures from their phone and they're on it a couple hours a day and that's it, then great. You know, there's almost an element of if you've got hundreds and thousands and millions of people to speak to or help or solve problems for, then that's kind of the, the cost of scale, I suppose. What yeah. What's the difference then between, I mean, I think I may know the answer to this. So <laughs> this will be a case of correcting me if I'm wrong. But what's the difference between advertising on Facebook and mm. just creating content for Facebook? Um, well, they don't necessarily have to be different, right? Because you can also be, you can also be advertising your content. Right. But I think a lot of the times it's like I break it down into three categories that you would have. You have content creation. Uh, we call it our mogul method, which is like how to become a mogul in your industry, especially using video. Then you have list building and then you have a conversion mechanism. Each of them has to be a part of advertising. Um, but I think a lot of times people go, oh, you know, I'm, I'm growing my business. I'm doing 10 pieces of content a day because Gary Vee tend to do 100. And it's like, but that's not that's not necessarily going to be growing your business. That is organic marketing that I would put that in the category of marketing, not advertising. I think a lot of people get that confused. It's like, well, advertising is like, cool. I'm going to, and this is my definition. I like, I, I could be wrong, but it's like, I am going to spend money on a platform to show my specific offer uh, or my specific ad to a person and with the goal to get them to interact and respond. That's my like definition of advertising. Um, and whereas content is like, cool, I can't control unless I'm going to put advertising behind it, how many people watch it, what they do about it. I can't control um, uh, if they share it or anything like that. That's completely up to them. But at least in advertising, I can go, cool, I put it in front of a thousand people and I can see the statistics and I know how much money I need to spend to replicate that statistic again and again and again. So it's almost like the advertising side is a way of making sure that you know who is seeing your stuff, your content, your whatever it is, whether you're promoting something or just getting eyeballs on mm. a video, let's say. Is, yeah. it, is, that, is that sort of the case then? Yeah, you're bringing predictability to what you're doing because you know, it's like, cool, if I, if I spend a dollar on my, uh, my podcast video, I'm going to get three people watch it in full. How many dollars do I want to spend or how many people do I want to get to watch it in full? rather than if I just produce a piece of content, like, and it's uncontrollable for me when I put it onto iTunes, right? So I put it onto uh, iTunes, I release my podcast, it's like, cool. 
my subscribers, hopefully they download it, but I really have no control if my subscribers download, if they review or anything like that. And I can't really affect that in any way, shape or form. No, that, that makes perfect sense. It's almost like you, not, not hope that the right people see it, that's probably the wrong word, but you can build up over time the people that do care enough to tune in and see your stuff, whether it's podcast or video or whatever it is. But then if you put marketing or advertising budgets behind it, you've got more control over who can see your stuff, yeah? Exactly. Are there any best practices for advertising now? Because I imagine there's a lot of people listening that might be like, well, I am creating content and I do run ads and things, but I have had conversations with a handful of people that hate doing Facebook ads. And that's not because they're good at it. It's because they've tried it and it's not worked. And then I've had, I mean, people almost have a bad, I guess, thinking around Facebook ads and it's probably because they're not using them in the best possible way. So it's like a, a skill level thing rather than blaming the the tool, right? Like a, a bad plumber or blame his tools almost. So yeah. are there any ways of making sure that the ads will do the best that they can? Is there any best practices? Are there any do's and don'ts? Well, I mean, the biggest thing I first like to say that is, and it's funny because everyone says it's like, cool, the Facebook ads, like Facebook ads don't work or they didn't work. It's like, well, hang on. No, the Facebook ad worked. You put up an ad and people saw it and they clicked on it or they didn't. So the ads worked. First of all, advertising works. Proven, right? (laughs) Proven fact. But then it's like, cool. People just didn't take the action that you wanted them to. Mm-hmm. so if that's the case does that mean that it worked or it didn't no it just means that you didn't do a good enough job of being able to encourage people to take the action that you wanted them to take so for me when it comes to advertising especially on facebook i always say to people there's three parts and i call it our noc method which is the niche the offer and the copy so if you've done something and it hasn't worked because one of those three things is not in alignment one of those three things isn't working properly right? So I always like to go, cool, my niche, who am I targeting and what am I targeting them with? Because if you look at, and I get people to do this when I speak in front of um, audiences and whatnot, let's go, well, pull out your phone, swap it with the person next to you. You're probably a similar person. Scroll through their Facebook. What you'll see is that it's all completely individualized. And if it's all completely individualized, why is your marketing message not completely individualized? right? It doesn't make sense. A lot of people will put out a marketing message that's generic and it's like, but that's not how Facebook operates. Like look on the app, look on Instagram, same thing, right? It's all individualized to you because that's how the algorithm works. They want to give you what you want, not everyone else, what everyone else wants. Yeah. Otherwise you'd leave. So you have to make sure that you're, you're marketing to a niche, not just like everyone. Cause my product or service can help everyone. And then once you identify that and, you know, we take people through a full process to do that, then you need to identify and go, cool, the offer that I'm putting out and am I just saying, Hey, we're here, we're open. Uh, Michael's donut shop, come and get, come and get your donuts. Like, is that a, uh, is that an attractive or what some people would call an irresistible offer? It's like, well, not really. It's just telling me that you're there. Like an irresistible offer is something where you would go, okay, I want to, you know, like me and Michael are running down the street to try and get to this as fast as possible. We want to be the first ones to get it. We're going to push each other out of the way so that we can get and take advantage of this, whatever's on offer, whether it's a download, whether it's a uh, a call to action to come in store, whether it's a call to action to have a call, whatever it might be, it needs to be somewhat irresistible. Otherwise, 
why, like I'm not going to enter my details. I'm not going to click the buy button. I'm not going to go to your website and purchase. Like it needs to be irresistible. And what sort of key things for that? Because I mean, from what you say, there's a massive difference came between, Hey, come and buy my stuff and no one really goes to it versus something that's irresistible. Now it could actually just be the thing. It could literally be no one really wants the thing. Well, then it could also be, well, maybe you're just not positioned it in the right way. Maybe they're not doing certain things. Are there any keys you can think of to make something go from, I don't know, meh for a technical term, right? Or something that's actually irresistible that people are prepared to actually buy or take action on? Yeah, well, let's let's use a real life example. Do you have anything that you might know? Like, do you know any of your audience, maybe a product or service that they might have or use or sell that we can kind of use as a real life example? And I'll kind of break it down. Um, mostly services. So they could be like, um, let's 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 go down the road of personal training because I think that that's something that people can do badly and people can do really well. So just from my own sort of niche and experience and working with people, I think that can link to a lot of what we're going to talk about. Okay, cool. So let's go for the met option to start off with. Right. So it's like, cool. Um, uh, it's like, and this is say it's Kim's personal training. It's like, hi, I'm Kim. I have Kim's personal training. I help you get fit and I help you and I train you every day click below and come to Kim's personal training. A lot of people um, change the word slightly, but they would do an offer like that. It's just like, Hey, I do this come and, um, and I'll, and I'll help you uh, and I'll help you out with what I do. Um, Click below. And it's like, okay, well, all you're doing is talking about you and what you do. I really don't know. Is this for me? I don't know like what I'm actually going to get, what the end outcome is. And I really, there's really not an offer for me. So for me, and let's just say I was a personal trainer, let's say that I specialized in helping mums after they've been become, let's just say that a lot of my clients are mums, they've just uh, uh, fallen pregnant or they've just given birth. And let's just say that most of the time, on average, mums have around five kilos to lose um, uh, after they give birth. And um, I help them get back to back, basically like their pre-pregnancy kind of body. So a something that is much more attractive is going to be, it's like, hey, and I might also be specific. Maybe I work with, I'm in Perth, Australia. Let's say I work with mums in Perth, Australia. It's like, um, it's like mums in Perth headline. It's like, my name's Kim and I help mums like you get, um, get back to their pre pregnancy body. And, and I guarantee that over 12 weeks in working with me, you will lose at least five kilos, be the happiest that you've ever been. Don't take my word for it. I can guarantee this because I've worked with 1155 ladies in Perth to get back to there. And here's a story of, Michelle in brackets, Michelle did this, lost X kilos. Here's the story of Patrice. Patrice did this, lost X kilos. Here's the story of Christy. Christy did this, lost X kilos. I can help five more mums this month get started to get back to their pre-pregnancy weight. Click below and let's have a chat and see if I'll accept you into our mum, uh, mum training program. And then, so that's my offer, right? And my mm-hmm. copy is pretty specific of who we're going to work with. Then my targeting, I'm not going to target every single person in Perth. I'm going to target women between the ages of probably 20 and 40 who are parents. 
And so I know my niche is going to be on point. I'm only going to hit mums, guaranteed. Facebook does that job for me. My offer is something specific talking to that marketplace and I'm going to make sure that it hits mums. And my copy, the way that I write it, the last part, the, the copywriting, specifically calls out to them. I'd probably put a few more terms in there and I'd probably do a little bit more, like this is obviously just <laughs> off the cuff on the fly as we're doing yeah. this, um, <laughs> around like certain things that they've experienced. And I, I know there's a whole bunch of stuff around exercise, lactation, blah, blah, all these different things. I would research the crap out of that and find out all the different little key terms that um, would be like almost like my one of my buddies calls a dog whistle language where it's like and it's like they hear it and it's like oh this is me and they read it and they go wow this person knows exactly the pain i'm going through they know exactly the problems um that's how i would do it and then like you can probably tell again that's very unpolished but off the cuff number one versus number two number two is going to win every single day yeah is it the the more specific the the more effective but then how does that work in terms of the budget and the cost per say client let's say so if that same person was to get the the people in how does that translate to the sort of financials around the ads does it make it cheaper does it not does it make it more expensive but then the quality is going to be better because you're more specific like how how, how does that translate yeah i mean look and it's a great question again and and most people ask that question and it's like well look that's not the that's the, but that's a bad question to ask the question you should ask is how much am i willing to spend to acquire a customer or a client and if you don't know that then you need to relook at your business model. So you should be able to go, cool, I'm willing to spend X. So my cost per lead, I actually don't care about. What I care about is, am I coming in under the budget that I have to acquire a customer? If so, happy days, keep spending money. But to prop, like to, to dig deeper and properly answer your question, you should see a reduction in lead costs. Like we've done this like five times in the last five weeks for a bunch of clients in our, our mogul training and taking them from generic offer to specific offer has what for one of them cut their lead costs um, to a 10th of what it was before. So it was like 80 bucks and it's going down to eight bucks um, just right, by right. following that because it's all in alignment. It's like the ad is only being showing to moms who are most probably going to have the same thoughts. Like, you know, it, it's, it's pretty much. And then again, this is example that theirs is not that niche, but it's like, it's pretty likely that they're going to be more likely to take action. Cause I'm only spending money to show my ad to the person I want to, which again is the benefit of social over putting a TV ad up. TV ad goes to everyone. Yeah. So it's almost like, because it's all, you mentioned alignment, which was a key word for me. So you like the ad better aligns with the person they're more likely to click it or take advantage of it because they think it's for them. It's almost like everyone's window shopping and mm. if they find something that's for them, they'll click it. But if not, then they won't bother and they'll just keep scrolling. Exactly. And it's like everything, it's like, cool. Because again, their feed is personalized. Their feed is individualized. If they've just had a baby, there's probably going to be lots of pictures of their babies on there. There's also going to be probably lots of pictures of their friends and mums and other parenting products are going to be marketed to them. And that pops up in between. It's like, oh, this is perfectly in alignment with everything else that I'm seeing. This must be for me. Uh, it's not jarring. It's not like, it's not like a random ad. It's not anything that like stands out to be um, incongruent with what I'm seeing. It's congruent with everything else. I'm going to take action upon it. Can you be too specific? And I ask this, I will stick with the health and fitness niche because I find that it's easy to translate to a lot of other, a lot of other places. Um, 
and I say this because people that are professionals in the industries that they're in, if they go specific, like they'll know like what magazines they they read, they'll know what other influencers they follow, who they don't follow. These sort of because I'm aware that um, Facebook gives you the opportunity to include certain things, but also exclude certain things as well in an attempt to reduce the the amount that it's shown to and not shown to, and you can get pretty in the weeds with the whole thing. Is it possible to go too far? Only if your audience size gets too small. Like if your audience size gets to like 1,000, 2,000 people, like you've probably oversimplified. And look, I, I use that example, um, but like if I was in, let's just say you're in a real small town, you may not be able to get that niche. You may have to kind of do it. You, your niche might just be that you are a specialist in the town that you live in. And there's only like two right. other people that do it. So that's the kind of the caveat or the asterisk on that is that, you need to be able to assess and see, cool, is this, is, is what I'm doing right now? Is it in like, uh, if it go too small, like, is that going to negatively affect my campaign? If yes, we might have to adjust. Like if you were like, uh, any other industry and there's like, cool, there's only a hundred people that can use your service in your town. Like, unless it's like, then you're like, cool, then you've just got to be the specialist in the town rather than like specialist in the niche. So you're still niching, but you're niching by location rather than anything else. Ah, got it. So if you're like a, a local service that you have to offer or a product like a, a shop, let's say, where you only sell offline, hypothetically speaking, right? So you're confined by people can travel to your place, people can, you know, get there, mm. but it's not online, it's not virtual, you can't sell worldwide. Um, then you, you want to start with the people that can get to you, I imagine. So you sort of you niche based on location as opposed to the people because again you you want everyone in the local area to know you exist for just when they happen to need or want what it is that you do. Exactly, and that's like we've got a client that runs a pizza restaurant, and they're in a small suburb of uh, Perth, which is called Bull Creek, and there's probably like. 5,000 people around there. We can't be specific and be like anything. Like we can't really niche and go, oh, we only do pizzas for these types of people. So I know we, we've just got to tell everyone like, Hey, we are the newest and best pizza shop in Bull Creek. Come on in and we'll have us, we'll still have an opening offer, which we might be like, there's a giveaway where they can win pizza for a year or they get a free uh, 10 inch garlic bread with every order for the first week or something like, we'll still do an offer, but we just can't, um, we can't create and hype a niche. So we'll still have an offer that's irresistible enough because if you want pizza and you're in that area, you're going to use them if they give you a, like if someone's going to give you free garlic bread or they're going to give you, you know, like a chance to win a year's worth of pizza or they're going to give you something extra. That's the little sweetener. It's like, well, why would I order from, I don't know, you know, like pizza hut or something when I can order from these guys and I get a free 10 inch pizza, a 10 inch, um, 10 inch garlic bread or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It makes perfect sense because it does depend on your business, right? Like if you are confined by where you're based, then there's no point in starting from, like, I don't know, like if it, we use the, the pizza restaurant as an example, there's probably millions, if not billions of people that are interested in pizza worldwide, but you don't want everybody that wants pizza. You want only people that want pizza where you live. But, you know, ch ch chances are someone might want pizza at some point that doesn't tell Facebook, you know? So there's that element of trying to niche down in, in the right way. So how how do you go about figuring out, okay, when do I stop? 
Because if we think about, okay, local, you want to make sure that you focus on where you're based at the same time. You know, I, I think Facebook, you can give like a radius of a particular place or a particular town or whatever it is. So that, that that's doable. But is there a point when you think, okay, this is about right now. I found my right number of people. Or is it a case of, it depends on everything depends what the campaign is depends on what the ad is depends on what you're offering like how this this, this get very complicated very quickly so is there any sort of go-to's of how to make this simpler because we can get in the weeds and get really complicated can't we yeah look unfortunately not like i wish i could just say there's there's a magic number it is like campaign basis country basis you know like what you might have as a minimum in the us or the uk in australia is like well that's like you know that that, that's impossible that's like the cold country so you know it's it's like um there's like there's very 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 different uh segmentations and and things that you need to look at look i i'd always recommend to people for that it's like cool just like just just get help, like get, get help with that because it's going to be hard and go, cool. I have this in a local area. Cause I might say, you know, like I might be like, cool, you can't have minimum than five, uh, less than 5,000 people for a local area. That might be true for Australia. But you know, if you try and do that in the UK or something else, it's like that might, you might be inhibiting the results of your campaign by going that small. Or I might say you have to have a minimum of a hundred thousand, but that might be too many people in, in some cases, or again, it might be too, um, too niche or too narrow. If you're doing the whole of America and you get down to a hundred thousand that's like a very small portion of the population so um i always say like take it as a case-by-case basis but by all means like if uh, if anyone's listening and they have questions like you can you know uh, hit myself up on on instagram and be like kim i have this and this what should i do and i'll, I'll tell you because it's unfortunately i'd love to have a magic number but it really is a case-by-case basis yeah because if you think about it as well to take the pizza as an example someone might want pizza because of what you're offering you might not start off wanting pizza until they see your app the whole sort of you see it and it makes you hungry you know so it's um yeah it's definitely got to be a case-by-case basis because if you're doing it to get it out there to as many people as possible and let's say we use the offer of the free garlic bread for the the pizza store pizza store pizza restaurant it's it's a case of well the more people that see it the better but you've got to think okay who can get to your place people that are from a certain area and all and then you sort of you realize that well does it matter if they don't like certain facebook pages probably not no it's not that important because if anything it'll limit too much you know and so you kind of have to figure it out on an ad by ad basis as well i imagine yeah, exactly. It literally is case by case, unfortunately. Um, as I say, it's, uh, it's, it's an annoyance. I wish it was much easier, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it's got to be done uh, choice by choice. And I think once, um, like once, uh, once people realize that and realize that it's not really just a snap, a snap of the fingers and you've, and you've got the answer, you know, mm-hmm. that's why Facebook ads can be so powerful. But that, again, this is the reason why people say it doesn't work because even the stuff we've gone through now, most people probably don't think about. And then it's like, cool, this is why people say Facebook ads don't work is because they don't take the time to go through all of these things and realize, ah, like I, I just watched a video and someone told me to do Facebook ads. Uh, and I tried and it didn't work. And it's like, well, no, you tried and like you missed all these points here. 
that's why I that's why I wanted you on the show, Kim, because uh, it's nice to because there are so many people that are rock stars at ads, and I know a lot of them, and they're great, they're amazing, but they're amazing because they factor the things in that we're talking about, and I don't I don't think people talk about it quite enough as well. Like it has to, the ad has to match the intention, you know, like if. If your sole intention is video views on, say, your, your podcast, Kim, then you, you want to go off interest versus where they live because anyone can really tune in based on what their interests are. So you, you've got to, you know, it's all very specific, isn't it? It's hard to just go, okay, I want a Facebook ad and then the whole world is going to change. It doesn't quite work that way, does it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So where can people find out more about you? So you've got your podcast. You know, you mentioned that you're on Instagram quite a bit. So where can people find out more about you? Yeah, definitely. Like uh, Instagram, I'm uh, quite active on. So at Real Kim Barrett on Instagram. And then, yeah, if anyone else wants to also check out my podcast, The Kim Barrett Show, uh, which you can find from my uh, from my Instagram anyway. But uh, yeah, I share a lot of stuff there. And I'm, I'm pretty diligent at trying to get back to everyone too. So like I said, if you do have a question, I'm not one of those people that's like, oh yeah, just message me and then never respond. It's like, I do try my best to get back to everyone in the best time frame as possible. So if you have questions, by all means, jump on Instagram. Um, send me a DM and um, if I can help, I'll, I'll get back to you as soon as I can. All right. Awesome. So what is the future like for you? So this, these are questions that I don't really ask a lot of people, but I'm aware that things have changed for you quite a bit recently in terms of like you've launched your podcast and everything seems to be going quite well because I've, I've been following you for quite a bit now. Where do you see this going? Where do you see your company going? What, what, what would the future be like for you? Yeah, look, we're, we're definitely wanting to go. We're in a, a big growth phase right now. So um, yeah, it's, it's just double down on everything that we do and then just always getting better. So, you know, one of the big things I want to do, I've spoken on a lot of stages this year. I've done a lot of podcasts um, and I reckon I'm doing a pretty good job. But I know, like even myself, I, I listen to podcasts and I hear some people talking. I'm like, oh, damn, there's some of the stuff they're saying about speaking and whatnot. I'm barely touching any of that. So, you know, I need a, that, that's my next area. I need to focus there. I need to grow there. So I definitely want to grow and improve my speaking ability is a big one um, because I know that when I speak to people and I can have influence over a large amount of people at once, it just has a great impact on everything else that we do. So for me, that's my, uh, my next big goal is to, um, I don't know. I, I, uh, my goal is to go next year if I can, if I can't, then definitely 2021 to go over and get some, uh, I've already like kind of chosen where, where I want to get some, some mentorship from in the speaking realm over in the U S and I'll be cruising over there to get some, uh, to get some assistance to take my stuff to the next level as well. Right. Kim. Yeah, it's good. It's good that you're, you're always trying to improve as well. I've always been a big advocate for that myself. Like, you know, it doesn't matter where you start. doesn't matter. Cause I know that, I mean, this, this very podcast started off using my phone instead of using a laptop because I thought, well, what if I'm traveling? I can't always take my laptop everywhere I go. So I thought, okay, well, I'll do it from my phone. And then I realized, oh, it's actually quite easy to carry a laptop around. And, you know, it does it does get better and better the more you do it, you know? I mean, I listened to uh, a podcast with Joe Rogan that mentioned that he started his show from his iPhone and it just made me think, huh, I'm on the right track then. So it does yeah. it does give you that sense of improvement as long as you start somewhere, then you'll you'll naturally get better. Yeah, 100%. I think that's for any, anything. Same as everything we've covered today. It's like, cool, everyone started with a bad ad, 
right? None of us hit that out of the gate. And like every, everyone uh, that runs a podcast starts with, uh, you know, like a, a, a not an ideal setup. It's like uh, bit by bit, always just make sure that you're always uh, focusing on improving. And I think there's like, you know, there's probably never a point where you'll be like, I'm the best in the world. It's like, or you, or you may be, but it's like, I think even the best in the world, there's always still, still a little bit more to learn. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to think that there's always room to improve, no matter how good that you feel that you are or how good you are in comparison to other people. You know, there's always there's always something you can something you can do. There's always something you can improve on. So yeah, Kim, thanks for thanks for coming on. Is there any parting words that you have for us? Is there anything that you wish that we'd covered? Is there anything that you think, oh, wouldn't it be really really good if we actually mentioned this before we finished? No, I think just as I said, like, uh, if you don't know and you don't understand something, like, just get help. Like, I don't mind if you ask me, if you ask Michael, anyone, like, don't just suffer in silence. Like, if you think that something's haven't worked, but you know it does, like, it just means that you haven't got the right strategies or the right tactics yet. So, um, I think there's there's always opportunity for growth and all you've got to do is just f- figure out where that is and then, uh, and, and then you're, you'll be off to the races. So, definitely um, just, you know, keep trying, keep improving and um, just make it happen. Excellent. Well, Kim, thanks for coming on. I appreciate you carving out the time for us and I'm sure we'll keep in touch. Yeah, my pleasure, man. Thank you for having me again.